De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss the effective financial projections and business marketing strategies for startup companies and the formula for customer lifetime value. Joining us is Rahul Chohan, who is the Managing Director of Foresight Digital, which is a marketing agency based in Melbourne, Australia. As a digital agency that deeply specializes in paid digital, organic search, and analytics, Foresight Digital focuses specifically on the challenges of enterprise clients. And today, Rahul and I are going to discuss forecasting startup scaling success. Okay, here's my conversation with Rahul, the Managing Director of Foresight Digital. Rahul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Doug. Appreciate being here. It's great to have you. So what happens to startups that struggle with scale? What does that look like? Well, it's a really interesting question. I think a startup that struggles with scale faces a number of challenges. One is, of course, the ability to attract capital investment. I think in that in and of itself is, is in many ways the heartbeat of a startup's function to growth. I think the second thing that typically ends up happening is those who struggle with scale is that not only from a commercial perspective, but I think also from an emotional perspective, those who are dedicating themselves to a startup, typically it's the traction, not necessarily the, you know, the revenue generation that keeps them motivated. And oftentimes where you have struggles with scale at which we've experienced with, you know, clients that we've, we've engaged with initially, what can happen is you have leadership within that organization. Those who are believing in the particular vision of that organization that is markedly damaged, diminished. And so you have an impact not only from a commercial perspective, but certainly from an emotional perspective. I think they're the two things that we typically see as the largest impacts for startups that struggle with scale. Of course, there are a number of other things that are as a result of that, but I think those are the two real roadblockers from a practical level that we have conversations with founders about as well. That's tough, right? If, if you're not able to embrace scale, so much of that hard work ultimately could potentially be lost and a lot of investment could be lost as well. When should startups be thinking about their ability to scale? And, I, and I'm specifically thinking about exactly what you talked about, Rahul, which is ultimately so much about those early days are about product to market fit. So much of those early days are about proving that their thesis is correct and quite often pivoting. So it's about gaining that traction. Should they be thinking about scale even in those early days? Uh, look, I think so. I think if you're not thinking about scale, a startup is just a hobby that friends undertake. The way that we approach it, and you know, 
there's three parts to it. And the second and third are effectively our sweet spots, but I'll get to that in a second. So if you think about, to your point, about, you know, product market fit, so really, you know, you're defining the CVP and you're uh, understanding what is the addressable market and your growth forecasting, and that's fine. And really, at that point, you're a seed organisation, and so what you're effectively, you're bootstrapped. But as you do undertake those two things that I've mentioned, that's where you start scaling. And that, and there are some, I think, five key things that, you know, that's where you're turning funds into actionable growth. So you should be thinking about turning funds into actionable growth at the seed stage. That's where you're structuring your marketing. It's not ad hoc. There is a process behind the product. And, you know, there are sales roles that you're starting to undertake for, for the company in order to, again, scale. That's where you're hiring. And, you know, and you're doing so at a rapid pace versus, before you could be a bit more leisurely about it. Certainly that's where you're looking at undertaking tracking and measures. So there's, you know, month-on-month growth targets. You know, you're looking at, again, your, your cash burn runway, et cetera. That's when you should start thinking about that. So again, to your question, when should they be thinking about scale? I believe, or we believe, that they should start thinking about it at the seed stage because there are five or four or so key things that, that really matter. And I think the last thing, importantly, is, the fun from a, from a marketer's perspective, and, and you yourself, of course, well know this, is that's really at seed stage when you need to start thinking about, well, if we grow, who's responsible for what? And what does that look like? And I believe, we, we strongly believe that all of these conversations, whether they're conversations one, a founder has with themselves, or they're conversations they have with, you know, an advisory committee or a friend or those within an, a startup, that's where we, we believe that founders should be thinking about these challenges and having these conversations at the very point that they start creating their product, that they start effectively marketing what is at that point, you know, their product fit. I think we've terrified a few people thinking about starting a startup, right? Because that initial gate, if you will, Rahul, that's so important to get product market fit. But you're saying you should be thinking about scale at that seed round. So super important stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Sorry to cut you off there, Doug. One thing that I'll mention is it's kind of like if you have a startup or a seed organization where you are thinking about product market fit, you really should be thinking about four things through the lifetime of your organization effectively. They should be planning, hiring, management, and retention or exit. They're the pillars that we really focus on. And so if I go back to your question, you know, you really should be thinking about things like determining a team, choosing a team structure, creating marketing you know, setting the KPIs I spoke to before, those things should be happening right at the origin of you putting your product, your team together, and really your processes together. I think they're they're the key things. That's the key point that you should start thinking about those things. Is there a place where you feel like startups struggle more than others in terms of considering scale. You, you mentioned quite a few things that a founder class has to think about. And in my sense overall, I feel like the place that I have gotten caught up in my career, and I've not been a person that's founded a company before, I've worked for my share of startups, is hiring. It almost feels like you really underestimate not just the process and the effort to hire, but actually find the people that fit your tribe, your culture. Oh, my goodness. The insourcing versus outsourcing and the hiring conundrum is such a blocker. You couldn't be more right, Doug. I mean, you think about it, hiring isn't just let's put an ad on Seek or let's put an ad on Monster or whatever it might be. Hiring is what's your JD? 
what does that involve? Is somebody who's reading it going to be in, in, engaged with your organization? How much competition do you have out there? So how are you creating, crafting a document that attracts a, the right person. So it's effectively, you know, if you think about an acquisition funnel, it's someone even interested in coming into that funnel. What is the role? And is the role that you're currently advertising for future-proofed or at least future-proofed that as much as a startup can think about? So does it have a three, six, 12-month pathway for growth? Should you be self-hiring? Do you have the skills or should you actually bite the bullet and, and you know, try and generate funds in order to hire recruiters to undertake that on your behalf? Are you preparing a case study? Because, of course, how do you know that the person that's engaging with your particular you know, job description or job advertisement knows what they're talking about? How are you running the interviews? What, what, what process and format should you run an interview? And, of course, the first interview is so different to the last interview. So how many do you have? You know, what does an offer look like and what is your strategy for exiting if they're not a part of the tribe or the culture that you define. And that gets me to the most important thing, the thing that underpins everything, which is exactly what you mentioned. What is your culture? Of course, you're not going to know the true definition of your culture because culture is organic, it grows. But certainly, typically, we found that the culture is usually at, the, at, the, at its origin, the reflection of the founder. So can you define your own personal values and what is your vision and how would you on a piece of paper, write down four or five things that truly encapsulate who you are as a person intersecting with what the product you have that offers value. And it's the intersection point where the values themselves originate. And that's incredibly difficult to do. And of course, going back, you know, circling back on the loop, does the person that you're hiring or will they meet those values? Not all of them, but certainly 80% of them at least. And you talked about planning. Rahul, you mentioned that that's a key pillar to how startups think about getting to scale. So what does that look like? What are you advising clients when they're embracing this idea of, yes, we need to do better with planning? What does that look like? Well, planning can undertake a few things. You're planning for the organization or you're planning for your marketing. So let's talk about the organization to start with. So if you're planning for the organization, you're determining your team. You're choosing a structure. The structure in and of itself is, again, always fluid, but certainly you, there's, there's a utopia that you may have at a three, six, and 12-month period. You know, it's about personnel investment planning. So how much are you going to invest into the growth of that person? Because, again, as I noted, you are not going to get a fully-fledged, they understand your vision, they're ready to go, rubber hits the road, and they're going at 100 miles per hour per you know, resource you're going to have to grow them. So there's an investment involved. Investment might be time, it might be capital. Again, how are you also creating a work plan? What are you planning? So what I mean by that is how do you put together a structure so that a person knows on a daily, a weekly, a monthly basis that which they're to undertake to deliver upon the KPIs, i.e. your vision, which in turn creates value, which in turn either helps to generate sales or helps to generate capital. So the two fundamental things. And finally, how are you setting both personnel KPIs and marketing KPIs? And, you know, which I know we'll talk about further on, but what is your key marketing KPI? Is it determining customer lifetime value? Is it determining the right customer? Is it determining the right area, geography, or is it pivoting your product? I remember when I, I was, I think, one of the first 10 employees at Airtasker, which is a fairly well-known now Australian scaler. 
And they absolutely pivoted their marketing plan four, five, six times within the first 24 months. And they needed to. And they had planned to do that, planned to pivot. And I think that's also incredibly important. That's a lot. I feel like, Rahul, we got to be careful. There might be a bunch of potential startup founders out there that were just terrifying with everything you would think about. But I think it's, it's fairly important because the days of, you know, build it and they will come, they're gone, right? And the days of, hey, victory is declared when the product and market fit has been established and we're generating our first set of revenue, which leads me to the question of, is it ever too late? Is it ever too late for a startup to be thinking about scale? And you talked earlier about, you know, scale being really, if you're doing this well, you're thinking about it at the seed stage. But is there a point you're like, yeah, you guys have a real problem? Look, I don't, I don't know if, if, if anything's ever too late, but I do know that think about anything with a 70-20-10 methodology. So 70% now, new, and next. The things that you're currently doing, you're doing them well, and that's great. And perhaps 70% of your focus is on that. Then you have 20%, which is new. It's iterating on the things that you're doing and that they're working and you're doing them in terms of pushing some innovation. So you're doing them a little bit better. Perhaps you're testing and learning. And 10% is wholly new things that have not come into your category or your competitive set or you know whatever product that you have in market. There are people who are approaching it the same way. What ends up happening over time is the 10 becomes the 20 and the 20 becomes the 70. In other words, over time, the idea, the product market fit that you have, unless you are planning, starts to diminish and dilute. And part of that is just competitive pressures, right? As you said, the days of building it and they will come have gone. The reason being the scale up and startup world is so vast and there are so many ideas being generated that those who plan win. Those who are more organic in their approach will quickly be overtaken. And so I don't think it's ever too late. But I do think that, you know, even three things on paper across, you know, various pillars such as planning, hiring and management, I think even if you if you have a couple of things in each of those pillars, you know, it's better than nothing. So it's never too late. But I certainly think that, you know, ultimately organizations, founders themselves should always be thinking, what's my plan for my people and my product? How am I hiring to ensure that I have the right resource? And that might be from a, you have the investment to do so, or you're offering uh, dilutional shares or whatever it might be. And also, how am I managing my organization on a day-to-day basis to continue to just have gains? So if you can think about those three things, and you're always planning for even those three things and just a couple of things within those pillars, I think it's never too late. But I think if you don't have an idea and you know you will very soon, within three, six or 12 months, find that, my gosh, the competitive landscape has changed very, very quickly. And so I think that it's at that point where you might want to revisit or pivot or iterate your product because you really need to have a sound strategy or a sound pathway to move forward. Are there signs that you look for in an organization that tell you that they're likely to be successful in scale? Are there like things that you hallmarks of well-run organizations that have considered scale really since the seed round? What are those? Yeah, there are. I think the first and foremost thing, you mentioned this before, is it's a good product, right? Like ultimately, it's a product that provides value and it's a product that can stretch. So effectively, what I mean by that, it's not necessarily anchored to an, an existing technology, but it's it's a product that is able to be fluid. So for example, it's, it's a trite example, but if you had a, a system or, or a, a connection to the BlackBerry, and it would only ever work on the BlackBerry when you've got a problem. Right. So effectively, because you're reliant on someone else 
for your destiny. So we always look for well, how bound are you to existing platforms and how flexible are you to be able to be across a variety of different platforms. It was a SaaS product, for example. It's the first thing. So a product that provides value but also can continue to provide value, really important. The second thing is person, so culture. Is the person who is leading the organisation and the advice that they're receiving from, you know, whether it's their colleagues or outside of the organisation, are they resilient? Is it sound? And do they make decisions that are more based on data than they are based on emotion? Really, really important because, of course, one of the things we look for is how close is the founder to their idea versus how close is the founder to the right idea, to the right approach. And you often find that, you know, there is a common trait among founders where because you've created something and, you know, in essence, it is your baby, it's hard for you sometimes to think of it differently, to view it differently. But in fact, it's a blessing when somebody says, look, how about this perspective? How about that perspective? And the more open that particular founder is to outside information and data, we often find that that, that is a good marker of success. The third is the ability to access customer. So, for example, if you are domiciled or you happen to have the predominant, let's say, for example, you're a SaaS organization and you're reliant on face-to-face sales, for example, are your team in the right location? So are you domiciled or are you geographically relevant? That's really, really important because, of course, if your addressable market is Fiji or Finland, and not Canada or Australia or, you know, places where you can genuinely scale because you rely on face-to-face interaction, then we certainly look for that as well. It's like, where is the cap? And does that organization or does that founder need to start thinking about relocating? And that's incredibly important as well. A good example of that is Atlassian. Atlassian's growth in Australia, whilst meaningful, you know, they understood that this is not where we need to be if we're going to be, you know, a genuine global player. And so, of course, they relocated. So I think that that's incredibly important too, is that resistance or that proclivity to change. And I think the fourth and final thing that we really look for when we do talk to organizations or founders is what's your marketing plan? How are you actually going to grow this thing that you've created? And how are you meaningfully going to understand the investment that you need in that and the return that you receive over time? Because of course, The issue sometimes is, you know, this, I want it now. And that's human nature. But certainly I think the founders and the organizations that we found successful are willing to understand that it's not about the immediate return. It's about the investment in the medium to long term that matters the most. And that's not only across marketing capabilities, but it's across marketing mentality. And so they're the four things that we look for. Yeah. And you mentioned Atlassian. And I have to say, I feel like that's a great example of an organization that really did embrace the idea of scale early on. And I think it's proven in their growth story. And there was a long time there for Atlassian where, you know, they would talk about that they they have no sales. Right. And I think that's a great example of great product design and great marketing planning as they went and gone. So I really enjoyed the conversation today, Rahul. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Doug. Take care. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Rahul Chohan, Managing Director of Foresight Digital, for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Rahul and I are going to discuss assessing startup customer lifetime value. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Rahul, you can find a link in our show notes to his LinkedIn profile 
or you can visit his company website at foresightdigital.com.au. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you don't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet, and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.